and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Well, it's time to soar. That's what the Lord's saying. It's time to soar. We're going to start off in Isaiah. I'm I'm real excited about this message. I pray that it comes out according to his, what he once said. But um, Isaiah 29, I mean, Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to just elaborate. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and weary and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who wait upon the Lord, they will find new strength. They will soar high on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The word for tonight that the Lord gave to me is, it's time to soar. Amen. It's time to fly high above the circumstances. How many of you know there's a lot of circumstances we need to fly high above now? (laughs) In this world that we live in, there is a lot going on, and God says it's time to soar above it. It's not a time to give up. It's not a time to throw in the towel. It's not a time to be lazy, and it's not a time to grow weary in doing what is good. Because the only way that you're going to reap of the kingdom of heaven and all that God has in store for us is if you faint not. In order for you to not faint in this kind of, you know, trying time that we're living in is if you do what God told us to do in order to soar, which is wait upon the Lord. It's worth the wait. Amen? It's worth the wait. God wants us to be like eagles. He wants us to soar. He wants us to to fly above the circumstance and not let it penetrate, not let it get to us, not let it hinder us. Not let it, I love that word that he gave us. He's cutting the strings. He's cutting the bondages off so that we are free to take off. Because for the people who are willing and ready, it's time to soar. I'm going to talk a little bit about eagles. Um, Clayton's laughing because he thinks it's funny, but you're going to get the revelation tonight, honey. <sighs> Just sit still. Listen up, okay? He thinks I'm silly for, for talking about this nonstop for like the last week because it's so supernatural, you'll hear. So last week we got to go do a revival on the move in Hayward, Wisconsin at the reservation. Yeah, Angela joined me and did some worship. And... Um, It was an incredible time where God just did a lot of supernatural stuff, a lot of prophetic words, a lot of uh, infillings of the Holy Spirit, just a really kind of a a launching of the body of Christ to stand up and be bold about who they are in Christ and step in to what God has for them there on the reservation. Um, Anyways, um, I got to have some R&R as well as ministry time. And I was sitting there and um, we were in a, like a little cottage on, um, on a lake and there was a whole bunch of docks. And my kids really love fishing. I had my two younger ones with me and they really enjoy fishing. And um, so I was out and my youngest son couldn't get enough because one day um, me and both of the boys went fishing one afternoon. It's not my favorite thing because I won't touch the worm. I won't touch the fish. So I need Ashton there to do it for me. <laughs> if 
But anyways, so Ashton prepped us and got ready, and then he decided to come on out. And I felt like Jesus, because they went out, and um, we should always feel like Jesus, but um, they went out, you know, a couple days before that and caught, you know, one or two, you know, and that was fun, and it kind of ignited their passion to continue doing it. But um, then I want to say, like, the next day I went out with them and went fishing, and we caught over 21 fish in a two-hour period. <laughs> That's not my story, but okay, so I'm getting there. So that was part of the fun, the R&R, and I felt like I was just drawing the fish to us. <laughs> Jude, well, ser I'm serious because Jude specifically, who's our seven-year-old, Jude specifically told me, Mom, pray. Pray that the fish come to us. So I did, and then all of a sudden he caught one. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like within two minutes, pulls it up. Then he's like, pray again, and I prayed again. And he's like, this really works. <laughs> he just kept pulling them up. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for teaching him a lesson. I understand it doesn't always work that fast, but God was totally showing them prayer works. Anyways, <clears throat> we'll use that in another message someday. But um, so another day, Jude really got excited about catching all these fish. So um, he wanted me to go out with him again, and I was exhausted. It was after Sunday morning service, and I'm just like, okay. I wanted a nap, but I was like, okay, I'll sit and I'll watch you. I'm not going to fish myself. But, so I brought a lawn chair out there, and he's doing his own worm, and, and he, Ashton wasn't there. He was taking a nap or something, and he was uh, catching fish and removing the fish himself and adding them up, putting them in a bucket um, so that he could add them up. We released them later. We did cook a couple, but we released them later. And uh, he's up there. He had just caught one, so he was on shore and um, taking the fish off the hook, and I was sitting in a lawn chair at the, let's, let's pretend this is the dock only, the dock was only about 10 feet. So I'm sitting in a lawn chair right here, and the dock, you know, is in front of me. And I'm kind of sitting there relaxing, kind of keeping an eye on Jude, and all of a sudden I hear, I should have got this down, I should have I got a recording, but this is my impersonation of an eagle. <laughs> okay. Courtney probably could do a better job than me. So, anyways, out of nowhere, full wingspan, comes this eagle right at the end of my dock. Full wingspan, like six feet, like the size of like a, a loveseat couch. Flies right in front of me, and I was like, oh! And my first instinct was, Jude, get over here, get over here. <laughs> because they catch things <laughs> and they fly off with them <laughs> and I didn't know how much he could carry I'm sure he would find out that he couldn't carry him very far but there's a lake too so anyways I was like dude get over here um but I was just so startled and so amazed and then there was this little mini island um maybe like another 20 or 30 feet further and I was showing Angelo my video and my my picture of this it's real it wasn't just an open vision because I have video. But this was so peculiar, peculiar, and so almost unnatural for this to happen right in front of my very eyes, like 10 feet away, totally uncommon. And I just, you know, I brought it up to my mom, and she's like, God's saying something. And I was thinking there, and I just kept saying to the Lord as I was sitting there before I told my mom, I was like, what are you saying, Lord? What are you saying? And I just kind of sat on it, and he didn't really say much right then. 
And then I told my mom, and she's like, God's saying something. And so I just began to meditate on that and began to just look into to what God was saying about it. And man, oh man, he still keeps refeeling more, and I'm just so excited. The Lord is saying it's time to soar. Amen. Yeah. It is time for God's people to fly on wings as eagles. Amen. I mean, I mean, I'm totally serious here. There's a new wave of the Spirit coming that only those who will soar on these wings will really be forerunners. Doesn't mean that the others won't go to heaven. It just means only the ones who are willing to soar will be the forerunners of this move of God. And that's what he's teaching tonight. Amen. So if you want to soar, tune in your ears. Let me talk about eagles for a second. Did you know that eagles have the longest lifespan of any other uh, bird? Yeah, they have a lifespan, could be of up to like 70 years, which is huge, you know. Um, oh, I need my phone because I'm going to read you something. But in order for them to fulfill their lifespan, in order for them to fly out in the fullness of what is possible for them, they have to go through a very difficult season in their lives, around 40 years old. I was thinking, Lord, there's got to be something with this because a lot of people go through this thing called midlife crisis. Women start dyeing their hair. <laughs> I've been dyeing my hair for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I got my eyebrows tattooed on. I'm not ashamed to tell you. Men start buying cars, and I don't know what else they do. Go run a marathon just to prove themselves. I don't know. I'm just kidding. They do things, you know, because there's, there's something they go through. But with this eagle, he has to make a decision around 40 years old. He has a choice. Whether he wants to go through this difficult season and then live another 30 years, or whether... He wants to give up and die because those are his only two choices. How do I know this? So, the, as I was studying, the Lord brought me to um, just just some, just some um, yeah, Eaglepedia, just some, some info on eagles. Okay, let me read this to you. Eagles can live up to 70 years, but the eagle has a decision, a hard decision to make in its 40s. The eagle's long, flexible talons can no longer, at the age of 40, grab their prey, which serves as food. Its long and sharp beak becomes bent, and its heavy wings um, covered with feathers have grown thick over the years and have become stuck to its chest, making it difficult for the eagle to fly. The eagle is left with only two options, die or go through the painful process of change, which lasts up to 150 days. 
The difficult process requires the eagle to fly to a mountaintop and sit on its nest. I'm going to paraphrase here. In this process, the eagle has to find a rock, or maybe he's living in a mountain, and he must continue to knock his beak until it falls off. And then he has to wait for a new one to grow. Then, once that's done, he uses that new beak to pluck out every talon that he has. And I know, just, I have fake nails, okay? If I hit that fake nail the wrong way and it pulls, and I've had it happen where it broke, it does not feel good. That sounds very painful to take your new beak and pluck out your old talents. Well, he has to do that. And then he has to wait for those to grow back. Once that process is done, he has to, with his new beak or new talons, it says that he has to pluck out all the heavy feathers. You know, these grays are a little thicker and harder to pull out. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing. He has to pluck all these heavy feathers out that weigh him down from soaring. This is about a five-month, 150-day process. Once he goes through this process, he can live another 30 years. And they call it the famous flight of rebirth. Once he has finished this process, he takes the famous flight of rebirth to live this other 30 years. I got this article because I was like, Lord, what are you talking about? And I mean, he spoke to me some personal things and, and uh, really just gave me some prophetic words regarding it personally. But every time the Lord shows me or speaks something to me, it's always somehow for the body of Christ because of who I am. And so I'm sharing with you tonight this vision of this eagle and what the Lord's saying is it's time to soar for those who are willing to go through the process. It's not every single child of God who is going to soar. It's not every single child of God who is going to get the revelations of the kingdom of heaven. It's not every single child of God who's going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It has to be that you go through a process to be transformed into the image of Christ. And sometimes that is a painful process, just like the eagle. Didn't he say, those who wait, you're sitting on your nest. Upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Let the time go by. They'll soar high on wings, mom. You're just like, <laughs> they'll soar high on wings as eagles. Once you've waited, once you've put in the due time, once you've allowed God to transform you, removing the sin, removing the chains, removing the talons, the things that kept you back and kept your hands in sin, removing the things that held you back and kept you in this world, once you allow him to process and to transform you, you will soar high on wings as eagles. 
above those problems, above the difficulties of this world. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties, but it's not going to affect you like it did because you're in a new level. You're looking at it from a new perspective. Hallelujah. This is the season that we're in. You're either going to have to face the turmoil or you have another choice. You're either going to have to face the turmoil or choose to wait upon the Lord. The Lord spoke to me not too long ago and he said, this is where my people would find joy unspeakable and be full of glory. But, he said, but so many find that it's such a hard task. I imagine that once an eagle learns from its mother or its father that this is what they're going to have to go through when they're turned 40 in order to live 30 more years, that they're a little hesitant. It's a difficult decision to make. Do I want to pluck out my talons? Do I want to peck until I have no beak? Do I want to lose my life, to find the life God truly intended for me? Am I willing to lay down those pet sins? Am I willing to cast down the thoughts and imaginations that are contrary to the knowledge of God? Why is it he's asking us to do these things? Because they hold you back from soaring. They weigh you down. If you go to a marathon, I just, okay, so I'm not like, wasn't like keeping an eye on this guy or anything like that, but I was at a pet store, and <laughs> I'm in front of the pet store waiting for my son to go get his um, crickets because he has two lizards. He's back there, Ashton, wave his hand, wave your hand. He's the reptile man. Anyways, Aquaman, whatever. Um, but while I'm there, I'm observing this, this man. Now, he wasn't running a marathon, but he was athletic. Clayton's like, <laughs> observing a man. <laughs> Anyways, first he had a jacket on with some shorts on and some spandex on and some tennis shoes on. And then slowly, as I'm waiting for Ashton, he begins to declothe himself. Taking off the jacket, taking off a layer of t-shirt, taking off a layer of shorts till he had just full spandex on. <laughs> that man was athletic and he didn't want nothing holding him back and really if you go to a marathon they're wearing as little as possible you look at the Olympics they're wearing as little as possible so that they can be free to soar to run, to bike whatever it is that they're doing God wants the same thing for us. Imagine an eagle with a backpack. Unheard of. He starts feeling his, his, the height diminish. He's flying too low. So he has to go through the process. How low have you been flying? What have you allowed to weigh you down? What sin so easily 
entangles you. See, we don't think about these things as the things that are actually hindering us from soaring. We cry out to God, God, we want more. We want more of you. We want to be used by you. And I'm not mocking. It's for real. But are you willing to die to this life to find real life risen with Christ Jesus? Because it's the price. It's the price that must be paid. The eagle has to do this or he will not soar for another 30 years. Humans, children of God, have to go through a transformation in order to soar to a new level with God. The things that have been holding you back and holding you down will continue to unless you're willing to lay it down. Unless you're willing to fuck. I wish I had like press on nails so I could really illustrate. <laughs> Unless you're really willing to pluck every feather, every talon, and even peck your beak off so that you can be totally transformed. I was amazed when I read this passage. I was like, oh my goodness. Clayton doesn't know it. He was downstairs, you know, doing his social work, and I'm upstairs just crying because of the revelation of something we already know. But when it comes as revelation, it's like, oh, that's what he wants. See, here's the thing. He is no respecter of persons. He wants every single one of his children to soar to run and not grow weary, to soar on high on wings as eagles. He doesn't want any one of us to be dealing with the stuff that the enemy causes here on earth. It was never intended for God's children to take part in it. Never. Sickness, disease, death, crime, all of that. It wasn't supposed to affect us the way it is. So I got a hold of this article, and I felt God speaking to me about his children. We cry out for more. We say we want to be used by God in these last days. But are we willing to wait? Are we willing to endure the process of transformation? In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says that we're transformed from glory to glory into his image, into his likeness. It's a transformation that we must take in order to walk as Jesus walked here on the earth. Jesus said that he shall be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He was supposed to be the first prime example of what Christianity should look like. Walking and talking glory-filled vessels full of the power and glory of God, doing mighty works, and even greater than these shall ye do. Why aren't we seeing it? We're seeing it some. But why aren't we seeing it more? Because you're only going to find real life if you're willing to lay down your life for his sake. 
Matthew 10:39 says, "He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it." Are you willing to lay down the old ways of life? Are you willing to lay down old ideas? Are you willing to lay down even things that God has blessed you with to enter into the new? And let him transform you. I'm not talking about everything. I'm just talking about if he asks you, are you willing to give it to him? I know we all want to say yes, but when it comes down to it, let's just read this here. (laughs) I'm just, wow. Genesis 22. We're not laughing about eagles anymore, are we? Plucking out those talons. Uh-uh. Wait till you hear, guys. There's so much more. Oh, my goodness gracious. Holy moly. Okay, Genesis 22, 1 through 18. I'll try to read through this here. I didn't bring my glasses. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called him. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Now, he just got done with a Holy Ghost service. I'm just joking around, but serious. He just got done spending some time with God, you know. Lord, I praise you. I worship you. I just want to do all you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to go where you want me to go. And don't we all sing it? Don't we all say it? Don't we all pray it? And then God says, let's test this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, he called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. He says, take your son, your only son. Yeah. He's like, who, Isaac? Yeah, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham gets up early, saddles his donkey, took two of his servants along with him, with his son Isaac, and he chopped wood for a fire for the burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham says to his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. He's speaking in faith. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he he himself carried the fire, carried the fire, oh, interesting, and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, son, Abraham replied, we have the fire, I don't understand why it says that, and the wood, the boy said, But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked together. I'm going to stop there for a second. Abraham knew the God he served was faithful. Abraham had such faith that God who provided his son where it was totally impossible that he was able, if he had to sacrifice him, that he could bring him back to life again. That's why he said, we'll be back. Stay here. 
That's why he said, God will provide. He's speaking to who God is. They knew that God, he knew that God gives good things. <laughs> Amen. When they arrived at the place where God had told them, go, told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar at the top of the wood, on the top of the wood, which just sounds absolutely horrific if you have a toddler or a teenage son because he's like a teenager. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, couldn't have been earlier, and it couldn't have been any later. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. He's probably like, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God, or you could say you truly love God. You have not withheld from him even your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name um, in pro as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord, and it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and you have not withheld even your only son, I swear by my own name, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond the number of the stars in the sky. So he got that word before. So he knew God had to be faithful to fulfill that word. I mean, he even had proof that he gave him a son. But God had to test him. Your descendants will conquer the cities and your enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm just going to stop there. Wow. He needed in order for the fulfillment of this massive word, in order for this massive call of God upon Abraham's life to bring all these descendants into the earth. This great lineage that he was supposed to be the start of. In order for him to soar in his call, he had to be willing to lay down his life and his life was in his son. He had to be willing to absolutely surrender it all. And, and that was like the last thing he had to give. And God had to test him. Oh, he passed the test. Here we are today. Children of Abraham. Here we are today. He soared. He fulfilled the plan of God. What if he wouldn't have been willing to lay down his life? He would not have fulfilled and found the life that God intended for him. Let's turn to Matthew 22. I 
I pray, Lord, that the revelation of your spirit would come and truly reveal this to us. Matthew 22, 37 and 38, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You must. No greater love than this, than a man lay his life down for his friend. That was the greatest love Abraham could have showed God, laying his son down. That's the greatest love that God showed us, giving us his son's life so we could have life. So this is the same requirement that you and I have. If we're to find this real life, if we're to step in and experience the real life that God had intended for his children, we're going to have to be willing to lay down whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. God means business. It's not an easy request to lay down your most precious child. It's not an easy request to, to lay down and totally surrender everything you know to him, knowing that he could ask something as big as that. But you have to have such, like Abraham, confidence in who God is and what he has promised that you know that if you'll give that to him and surrender it to him and let him have control of that, that you know he's going to take care of you better than you could have ever done that thing on your own. When I was in my 20s, and I'm in my 40s, but when I was in my 20s, because sometimes God's words take a while, the Lord spoke to me about literally and I've never really said this out loud, but literally um, to a congregation about having a ministry airplane, like literally flying to do the work of the Lord. But I was in uh, Argentina, and the man delivering this message to me, I was sitting there like you are. He pointed me out. He was getting up to, to minister to thousands of, of ministers. I never met him or anything. I was there, um, and I was going to teach some Sunday morning services in Argentina. It was just a really awesome experience. But he was there on the main stage ministering to the ministers, and I'm just sitting there because my dad's one of the speakers. And he stops, and he points me out, and he says, I saw you in a vision as I was preparing for my message. And my interpreter makes me stand up, and he's like, you, you, he's talking to you. He said, I saw you in a vision and I saw you getting ready to go and preach the gospel. And you had a ministry airplane. I'm not trying to coax you into buying a ministry airplane. <laughs> I believe that there's more illustration to that. If he wants to bless me with that when it's needed, fine. But God wants us to soar and fulfill the plan of God for our lives. And this is what he was speaking to me about. That God had this plan, and I knew it. God already told me. It wasn't anything new. But 
I had some reservations. I had, I was in my 20s. I had a new husband. I had two toddlers. It was hard enough for me to leave them for, I think we were there two weeks, to go minister the gospel to people who needed to hear it. But would I be willing to do this over and over again? No, I wasn't. When he spoke to me, I went out in the power of God on a cement floor with no catchers in Argentina. (laughs) And I was out for a while. No, I was kidding. (laughs) While I was out in the spirit, and I felt nothing, I was out in the spirit. The Lord started dealing with my heart about laying down my life. And that's where I will experience the real life that he has for me. He said, you don't, my instant response was, but, but what about my husband and children? You bless them. You bless me with them. <laughs> Look at Abraham. Look what he's having him do. He gave him Isaac as an absolute promise. It was impossible to have him. And here he has him. And you're going to take him from me. No, he counted God faithful. One way or another, that promise was going to be fulfilled. And he said, we'll be back. Until I understood the love of God and that he had blessed me, I was so afraid to lay it down. I was unwilling. He even ministered to me and he said, your husband and your children have their place. But you have to, if, if I'm going to take care of them, but you have to be willing to give this to me. Because you have a job to do. You have to soar. And not that you're a ball and chain. Because I know it's usually the reverse, right? Isn't the woman the ball and chain? <laughs> not that you're holding me back. Oh, <laughs> Not that they were holding me back and I have to lay them down, but God saw my heart and, and God saw Abraham's heart and the love that he had for this blessing that God gave. And God wanted to see, are you willing to love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength? Every time I go before the Lord and I pray and I say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want more of you. Every time I pray, Lord, refine me. Lord, remove anything from me that hinders me. That experience comes back to me. Because I know what I'm actually saying is, Lord, even my family. I give them to you because I know you're going to take care of them no matter what. Because I want to find the life that you have for me. I wasn't willing to pray that before because what if I had to give them up? Something he actually blessed me with. I didn't understand the love of God. I didn't understand how faithful he is. So I wasn't willing. But now that I understand, 
I surrender everything, Lord. Lord, I lay down my life. I just want to fulfill the life that you have for me. Whatever it looks like, take the house. Take the car. I give you my family. You can have whatever you want. You bless me with it anyways. It's not mine. It's yours. So it could be a blessing from God. But you still got to be willing to lay it down. Let's turn to Luke. I hope that you can sit and, and take this in. I'm going to try to move, but... Luke 9, 57 through 62. The cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. Uh, kind of important, right, you think? But Jesus tells him, let the spiritually dead bury the dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Jesus himself is calling someone, and they're unwilling to lay down whatever they see as important. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me go say goodbye to my family. Again, kind of important, right? But Jesus tells them, Anyone who puts the hand to the plow, in other words, you're doing what God wants you to do, but then looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. That's where I was. It's not where I am. But he's calling them, and he's calling all of us by name to soar with him. What is our excuse? What is our excuse? Is it sin that so easily entangles us? Is it the love of our family, the love of, of our job, the love of whatever he's asking you for? Are you willing to lay it down no matter what it is? I mean, Abraham's illustration is the most severe it can probably ever get. And really, that's kind of what I felt like. Because I knew that story. <laughs> Until I really realized every promise of God is yes and amen. So if he blessed you, with this, he's not going to take it away, but he does want your willingness to give it back to him. If he says, follow me, 
He wants you to lay down whatever life for the cost of following him to find the life he's calling you to. If you're saying you want to be used by God, you want to walk in all he has for you, are you willing, you must be willing to lay down anything that he sees that will hinder you. And you must be willing to not look back. Not look back to the world. Not look back to the flesh. Not wish for it. Not wish you could be back with the sinners. Not wish you could be back in the bars. Looks like they're having fun and wish for it. He said, that man's not worthy. You can't put your hand to the plow and look back. It's a decision. Lay down your life and follow after him and you will find the kind of life. But he knows the hearts. He knew Abraham meant business, so he stopped him midair. Thank the Lord. He knew his heart was for real. When we're willing to lay it down, no matter what the cost, Lord, no matter if you can truly pray that, Lord, no matter what it is that you ask of me, I will lay it down. To find the real life that you have for me. Matthew 16, 25, whosoever, anybody who wants this, whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Whosoever. Are you willing to surrender no matter cost? Because you will find the life he intended for you. Don't you think that the creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, knows a little bit more about what would bless you? Don't we think that he knows that if, if we would just lay down that sin or those things that entangle us or those distractions, if we would just be willing to give him our family, he could actually bless us above and beyond where we've been? He's the one who gave us the blessing in the first place. Are you willing to surrender it no matter the cost to find his real life that he had for you? Are you ready to soar? Hebrews 12.1 says that we have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. It's like we're in a race. But it says, throw off. I said it a few times. Throw off every single thing that hinders you, every sin that easily entangles you. Throw it off. It's not doing you any good. Like an eagle with heavy old 40-year-old feathers. Pluck them out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. It's not going to hold, it's not going to get you further. It's going to hold you back. Matthew 19, 20 through 21. It's another portion of scripture where Jesus makes it real. He was a powerful preacher. <laughs> As I'm reading this, I'm like, holy cow. He didn't hold back at all. 21 through 24. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions. 
Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. Because someone's wanting to follow him again. And he tells him, go sell your possessions. Give what you have to the poor or give it to me, in other words. Lay it down. Then follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why? They have so much in the natural they have to lay down. And it's not even that God's necessarily going to take it away from him, but they have to, in their heart, be willing to give it all if he asked. That's the kind of sacrifice he wants. That's the kind of sacrifice he gave. If you're going to find the life he intended for you as a child of God, it's going to have to be the same exchange. Whatever the cost. This is where it gets, if you thought it was heavy weight. This is where I started crying. I already cried, I know. But in my bedroom, I started crying. Many say with their mouths, they want it all. They want to be used by God. They want to soar high on wings as eagles. But not all are willing to forsake the flesh, the world, personal desires, that is necessary to pay the price. Remember, the Lord said, those who wait upon the Lord, they'll soar high. When the eagle's sitting there waiting for 150 days, there's a transformation taking place, and it's not comfortable to go do, not do, what you want to do in the flesh. It is not comfortable to, to have the Lord tell you to lay down those shows that you've been watching, or video games that you've been playing, or people that you've been hanging out with. It's not comfortable, just like an eagle sitting on a nest for five months, to hear the Lord say, remove this, get rid of that, lay down this, surrender that. It's not comfortable. But if you're willing to pay the price, if you're willing to sit on the nest and let God transform you, you will soar high on wings as eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. This is for the entire body of Christ. I wish there was thousands here. Who could walk in the power of God if they would just be willing to go through the process. Willing to lay down their life and find this life that God intended for his people. It's not hard. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But our minds think it's so hard to sit still in his presence. We need to be going here and there. Our flesh craves entertainment. Our flesh craves sin, distraction, YouTube, 
distraction. Everything we have, everything we need is right here. It's alive and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's ready to cut joint and marrow. It's ready to remove the things that hold you back from soaring. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to let God transform you? Matthew 16. Did I read this? 24 through 26. Then, he, then Jesus says to his disciples, Again, if any of you wants to be my follower... I'm just amazed, first of all, if we get, if you watch The Chosen, it helps you just kind of realize that these people had real lives. They had children. They had wives. They had mouths to feed. But they give it all up. Lay it down to follow Jesus, literally. Why do we think we are any different we want the power. We want the works of Christ, just like they did. But they had to be willing to lay it down. I mean, they literally laid it down. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and your life and take up your cross and follow me. If you try... In other words, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not going to be used. If you try to hang on to your life the way it used to be, the way your flesh enjoyed it, if you try to hang on to it and do what God wants you to do, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world anyways? but lose your own soul. <sighs> Let me put this into perspective. This is where I was crying. I'm trying to see how should I ask this. <sighs> Who here would die for what they believe in? In the times that we're in, you have to be willing, right? This is what the Lord said. Oh, my heart is pounding because God. I want to say 90% of you raised your hands. He said, let me put this into perspective. He was talking to me personally. He said, ask this. Are you willing to die for what you believe. He said, we've all, and I'm saying, we've all been taught this. I'm sure it's very important in the times that we live in these end times drawing near. He said, most will answer yes because of what they've been taught. But he said, every day you unwillingly choose selfish desires, flesh, sin, 
over laying your life down, over losing your life to find this eternal life. You say, if someone's coming up to you with a sword to chop your head off, yes, I'll die. But yet he's asking you to lay down Facebook. Yet he's asking you to lay down a video game. Yet he's asking you to stop hanging out with those friends that are corrupting you. And you're going to take your head off? No, you won't. You will not be willing to lay it down because you won't even give him the stuff. I'm sorry. God wants you to soar. But you have to lay down your life. You have to be willing to give it all. Can you believe it? My head spun. Not literally. Of course we're going to answer, yeah. I'll give my life. I'll die for what I believe. We teach our children, die if it comes down to it and, and we had it wrong and you have to die for what you believe. Make sure you do it. But do we teach them that every day we must die? Every day we must die to our flesh in order to find the life that God had intended. Why are the people of God not experiencing the blessing? Why are we not protected? Why are we walking around with sickness and disease? Maybe, just maybe, we are not dying to the things he told us to die to. Therefore, there's a big open door for the enemy. Don't tell me Abraham, if he was disobedient, he would have walked in the blessing of God. No, he would not have. Obedience equals blessing. You want to walk in the fullness of God? You want to walk in the fulfillment of what God has called you to do, which he has called us all to be manifest children of God? You want to soar high on wings as eagles over these problems in this life? You must die. Lay down your life. Not someday. Right now. And it might take some time. Plucking them out. One by one. Feathers, talons, beak. Social media friendships, whatever he asks. Habits, addictions, lust, immorality, profanity, judgments. You must lay it down if you're going to find the real life. What were the disciples doing? They had already laid down their lives. They were already following Jesus. But Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Stay put. Sit on your nest. And wait. After you waited a while, 
You will be endued with power from on high. And you will be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. <laughs> All of that from seeing an eagle? Don't tell me it wasn't from God. No, I'm not. He didn't tell me it wasn't from God. Are you willing to let God transform you into his image, into his likeness? It's going to begin by transforming the way you think. It's going to begin by you being willing to lay down every single sin that so easily entangles you, throwing off the weight that holds you back so that you can run with perseverance the race marked out for you. We're not all called to do exactly the same thing. But the race marked out for you, you will only walk in the fullness of what God's called you to do if you're willing to lay it down. You might not know what that is, or maybe you, like me, you know what it is he's asking. I encourage you, do it. Why? Are you going to lose that? You're going to be so happy you lost that. Because you're going to find real life hidden in Christ Jesus. And he may not even require it of you anyways. I mean, obviously sin he'll require, but I'm talking about the blessings that I was afraid to give back. You're going to be more blessed. And either way, Paul was blessed whether he had little or whether he had much. He was so blessed to be in the fullness of the call of God upon his life. I'm just sp sp spreading the glory. I don't know if you saw that. Just shooting it out. <sighs> no, just kidding. <laughs> People, are you really willing to die for what you believe? Because it's a spiritual death. It's not a physical one. That's what we've been taught. And I'm not saying that in the end, yeah, of course, choose, choose Jesus because that's eternal life, okay? But every day he's asking us to die, to choose him over the stuff, over the flesh, over the sin, over the weights that entangle us and the sin that entangles us. God wants you to give up your life, so that he can use it as a vessel. God cannot fill a dirty vessel. He's pure. He's holy. He needs a vessel fit and clean and cleansed for his use. He needs us to be a host for the Holy Ghost. And that's not going to happen unless you're willing to give it all. He will not take part in pointless deeds of evil. This is the cost. 
This is the cost. He knows your heart if you mean it or if you don't. He knows. He knew Abraham meant it. Second Timothy. Actually, I have it written down. Second Timothy 2, 20 and 22. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones for everyday use. He says, if anyone will cleanse themselves, if anyone will purge himself from what is dishonorable to God, he or she will be a vessel of honorable use. Set apart, holy, acceptable. Your life will be clean and ready for the master to use you for every good work. Why did he repeat himself so much? Do you ever have your parents repeat themselves over and over again? I do it all the time. I'm horrible about it, aren't I, Ashton? Wake up, Ashton. Ten minutes, Ashton. Five minutes, Ashton. Two minutes, Ashton. One. When you mean it, Clayton starts howling. Ashton. And it gets louder and louder. <laughs> Sometimes we have to threaten water. You're going to get splashed. <laughs> hey, when a parent means something, it's repetitive until they get what they want. God is serious about this thing. He wants the best of the best of the best for his children. And this is the only way. If you're going to find the life that God has for you, if you're going to find the freedom, if you're going to find the healing, if you're going to find the fulfillment, it's going to cost you. Lay down your life. Be willing to pay the price. Sit on the nest. Let God prune you. Let God remove the talents. Let God remove the feathers, the weights. Let God show you, reveal to you what it is that's hindering you from living life for him, from being a vessel fit for his youth, use. You could say, I don't know what I was saying right here. You could say. If you're willing to die for Christ, if you're willing to die in the sense that he's talking about and laying the stuff down that he's asking you to, if you're willing to say, Lord, refine me, and, and the worship team can start getting ready. If you're willing to ask the Lord to refine you and purge you, and even if it means that one thing that you want to keep, that's probably the thing he's going to ask for. Yeah. 
But just to encourage you, Abraham actually in the end didn't have to give it. And he was blessed above and beyond. But God still wants it. Love the Lord your God with everything you got. Everything, every arena, spirit, soul, body, and mind, he wants it. Are, do you want to fly on wings as eagles? Do you run or want, run and not be weary? Do you want to walk and not faint? Do you want to take flight with the life of Christ tonight? Before the service, I was telling Angela, I've, you can revisit a vision. Well, this, this was a full-on life, like, whoosh, I don't want to make the noise again. There you go. I don't know if that was like a crow or something, but it was a lot bigger than a crow. But the Lord had me revisit it. He's like, go back there. And now you can laugh, but he told me to jump on. And I straddled that eagle. <laughs> and I held on to his neck. And we took off. Because you're willing to lay it down, he said. You will soar high on wings as eagles. You will run. And you won't be weary. You'll walk. And you won't faint. For you have laid down your life. And you're entering a new life in Christ Jesus. He said, anyone who will do this, anyone who will lay down their life for my sake, he will find it. Before we step into, and, and please hold your seats. God is about to do something powerful here. But this is what he showed me the order of the service was. So I'm going to hand it over for a moment. Hello. I got to work on my eagle noise. So I'll work on it and come back. But we just want to take some time right now for those who'd like to give into the ministry of revival. I make revival, M-K-E. I'm jumbling in my words. 